welcome back to the Up and Running Podcast. Wherever you're listening, thank you for joining us. If it's on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, we appreciate it because when you're, you get up and running, we're right there with you. Justin, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Mike. Wow, what a weekend. What a game. Got a lot to get into tonight. Unbelievable game. We're, we're bringing you the Super Bowl recap show this week. There's a lot to unpack from the Super Bowl. We're going to talk a little bit about how we're so thankful for the guests we have, some of the predictions they made came true, some of the prop bets came through. Uh, but, man, what an incredible game. You're talking about monster performance from the kickers. Uh, a, an OT game we haven't had. It's the second time ever in Super Bowl history we had an OT game. A back-and-forth dogfight defensive battle that came down to the wire. What an incredible game. Uh, this is the Up and Running Pod. Like I said, at on X, at Up and Running Pod. Turkey's there. We're going to talk about do better, some turkey stats. Uh, my handle's there. Follow us on there. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think of the game. We're also going to touch in later on the show about the OT debate. Did Shanahan make the right call on the coin toss? There's going to be a poll later on on our X account uh, this week as the pod drops. Uh, so please check that out. Vote. Tell us what you think. We're going to dive right in. Justin, what an incredible Super Bowl. How was your Super Bowl? Oh, the Super Bowl was great. Uh, Mason and I got to watch some of the game. Um, you know, it, the first quarter was slow. Um, you know, turnover city, defensive held strong. Um, really, really got to watch some exciting play from some of the things that we were talked about with our guests. You know, Robert Levy talked about containing Patrick Mahomes. And by far, that's just one of the things that they did excellent during the whole game. But especially in the first three quarters, they really kept him contained. San Francisco's defensive line did a good job in the first half, really holding them down. San Francisco, their offense went after them. Kansas City's defense stood up. Those those cornerbacks absolutely dominated some of these receivers, you know, from Debo and Jennings, just really took control of the game as far as the defensive backfield went. Yeah, listen, I thought – I thought one of the biggest moments for me was when when McCaffrey fumbled in that in the first quarter. When he fumbles, it was almost like you know Rocky Four when it's like oh the Russians cut. It's like McCaffrey fumbled. What are we doing here? Right yep. again. Shout out to Carl Weathers too. Uh, Apollo Creed passing away. So sad to see that. But that's the moment I felt. I mean, Chubbs. maybe I had you know Carl Weathers and Chubbs on my mind. But when McCaffrey fumbled, I was like, wow, well, he's human. You know, I mean, here, here we go. It's not Purdy making the mistake. It's their best player, arguably the best player in the NFL, uh, yeah. makes a fumble. Heck of a defensive play, though. I can tell you that wasn't just McCaffrey just dropping the ball. I mean, he got knocked out. It was a great play. But San Francisco, again, you know, not to shout out myself, but that's kind of the game I thought it was going to be. San Francisco playing really good football in the first half. And uh, I don't necessarily know if the bonehead mistake came later. It almost did when Shanahan almost – when he went forward on fourth down – uh, instead of taking the three, which they ended up taking three anyway. But it, San Francisco played really great football in the first half. Uh, I thought, to your point, to Coach Levy's point, the defense on San Fran made Patrick Holmes look so uncomfortable. He did not have a great first half of football. No. Um, and, you know, and, and that goes back to they made a trade with the Redskins, or the Commanders, uh, towards the end of the season to get Chase Young. Chase Young comes up big, has a couple hurries, has a sack. You know, he, he didn't do much else, you know, and, that, and that's that's just his game. He takes plays off, but, you know, one of the things that 
that you heard Tony Romo keep saying and saying over and over again is to keep the running lanes, keep your passing lane protection there. Basically, those defensive lines held the integrity of the line so that he couldn't just run about. They could get him. And I'm going to tell you, Joey Bosa, I've watched him just a little bit, not very much, or Nick Bosa, excuse me. But, but Bosa did something that very few defensive linemen can physically do, uh, whether they're ends or not. He would come up, and he would he overread it a couple times, and it cost him. But for the most part, he would read the runs and get down the offensive line of scrimmage and make the tackle behind the line. Just absolute, just a man-child out there. Everything that McCaffrey does on offense for the San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa does on defense for him. It really was exciting to watch him play. He had a few chances to get to Mahomes, and Mahomes just stepped away, you know, just by just by a little thread there. But it was exciting to watch that defense in the first half and really kept him in the game. Um, you know, granted they had a 10-0 lead there in the second quarter, but without, without San Francisco's defense, Patrick Mahomes – could have gotten away with some things. You know, they played hard, kept him off of the scoreboard until the end of the second uh, second quarter there, going into halftime. Yeah. The, the offense wasn't doing much. You know, the fumble hurt. You know, that was a long drive, but the offense wasn't doing much. Obviously, you know, you talk about the score, first half 10-3. So, really, you look at what, you know, five punts apiece, you know, 13 possessions uh, for each team. It, it's It's – Astonishing that Patrick Mahomes scored 25 points and, you know, 22 of them came in the second half. So, oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I agree there. And to, to, to shout out the defense real quick. So, I also think that we've talked on this show the entire playoffs leading up to this, right? Casey's offense hasn't been that good. It hasn't been this dynamic, electric offense that we thought about. This, this title is solely on the defensive shoulders. You're talking about. You shut down the MVP. You shut down arguably the best player in football. And, I mean, really, I mean, and I say shut down. McCaffrey still had over 100 total yards. Uh, he still had a good game. Uh, he, he played well, but caught the uh, caught the trick play touchdown, I think. And so I think that he still had a good game, but they still contained him. He didn't blow up. He didn't have a monster game. But I think one of the things the defense, Sam, uh, so that's Casey's defense. And I think that Casey's defense won this game for him. I know Mahomes was the MVP, and Mahomes wins it at the end with a great play in OT. Um, he came alive in the fourth quarter, and he came alive in OT. I put up something on X about, could Mahomes do it? Because Brady would do it. And Mahomes did it, and he, he answered the call. He sure did. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more here in a second about Sam Fran's defense, because I thought they played really well, too, and they deserve a shout-out. But Casey's defense, I thought, could you get – I wish they would have given the MVP to the whole, the whole defense of uh, – uh, uh, front and, and core, to be honest, and I thought they played really well. But shout out to Mahomes; he 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 got number two in a row, got back to back. They're going to go for the three peat next year, but he's inching closer to Brady. But I don't think he's close. I'm gonna be honest with you; he's inching closer, but I don't think he's close. Uh, um, I think I think it's the I heard this today the recency factor. At the same time, he's ahead of Tom Brady in every category at this age, uh, as far as what he's done so far uh, with Super Bowls and MVPs. The thing is, is, is Tom Brady's career started with an injury. He comes in, they go in the Super Bowl, and they win two more two years later. It, for me, I, I think Tom Brady's career 
started just like Mahomes' Super Bowl did this year. The defense helped Tom Brady out the first couple of years. But then you look at what Tom Brady put together. He didn't he didn't just you know, he's he's been to four, he won three. Brady went to ten and won seven. Um two different teams. Right, two different teams. He went to another team and did it. Um but but the biggest thing about the difference between those two is is the longevity factor for me. If if Mahomes retired tomorrow and said I'm done, or they lose the Super Bowl next year, or don't even go to the Super Bowl next year, and he says he's done, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer, there's no doubts about it. Three Super Bowls, three MVPs, two MVPs for the NFL, three Super Bowl MVPs. There's no doubt, no doubt there are people in the Hall of Fame that shouldn't be there. He should be there right now. Done. Goat debate. Goat debate's not even close. I, I, well, I know that. Well, the question is, question is, let's say he wins two more and gets to five. Still not close. So... Here's so the point. Here's I, I think if he gets to five, you're close. If he gets to five and seven, if he goes to seven and gets to five, I think he's close. Here's my point on this. First off, there's going to be a whole episode dedicated to Hall of Fames, whatever sport it is, because we're going to debate that because Justin and I are widely different on a lot of topics. We're so we're, we're we're together on some of them, but I I, I never like the argument of if they retire to the first ball Hall of Famer. I just disagree. I, I mean, the longevity of Bray's career is one makes him the goat. And, and absolutely a Hall of Famer. But I think when you talk about Mahomes' resume, it's impressive. It's very impressive. There's I'm not, We've lost the fact of we think that there's just good players and there's the, the greatest of all time. There's no in-between. No, there's in-between. There's really impressive. There's great players. And Mahomes is a great player. And you're right. His resume, he's on pace to do it. This was one one by defense. Brady has had you know plenty of help in his career, too. I'm not saying he did it all by himself. But there's some stats that i got to throw out. Mahomes winning that, winning the Super Bowl, he ties for the second most playoff wins with Montana at 16. Brady is the all-time leader at 35 playoff wins. It's double what they have and plus a little extra. At the same time, this is another impressive stat. All New England Patriots Super Bowls are with Tom Brady. Brady's got six with the Patriots. The Patriots only have six. Brady's it for them, right? Right. So that's another thing that I think is really impressive. Again, Brady going to what going to ten, winning seven uh, is an incredible feat. Uh, I, I I think Mahomes is 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 getting closer, but I don't think he's close. If that makes any sense. Oh, no, so I, I don't think he's close. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's close. I'm saying, but he's on a pace to be there. There's not a quarterback that we have seen that has come out hot that has been to two plus Super Bowls. In his first five, six years, one, three, and his only loss is to Tom Brady. Um, I just, I don't know if there's, there's no. Come back to bite him if we ever get, if Mahomes gets seven or eight Super Bowls. That will always come back to Oh, I agree. And if Kyle Shanahan never gets to play the Chiefs again in the Super Bowl, he, he, you know, he'll never, he'll never be greater than Andy Reid, no matter what he does, right? Um, but, but back to Mahomes. So here's the thing. I don't – he's already tied the original GOAT, if you want to talk about Montana, right? He's already tied him on playoff wins. He will surpass him at some point. Unless something catastrophic happens, knock on wood, he'll pass him. So he's already passed number two, okay, as far as playoff wins, if that's where we use a barometer. And there are a lot of other things I know that I'm not – I'm just saying – 
I don't think he's close to Tom Brady. One thing I will say about Tom Brady is, and not that the Broncos or the Chargers or the Raiders are any good right now. They're all awful. Brady also played at a time, with the exception of three years, he was injured in the two years that Rex Ryan was coaching the Jets and they went to the NFC Championship game. Those three years are the only years that Tom Brady had to play against good teams in his division. Yeah, the division doesn't matter, though. I, listen, I, he, gets I, a play, he gets a playoff spot. He gets a playoff spot. I'm not, I'm not saying it does. Hold on. Yeah, you get a playoff spot. But but there's a chance that Mahomes might not – he might be in the same situation next year, the wild card. Yeah, but my thing is once you get to the playoffs, lights get brighter. You still got to win playoff games. doesn't matter if your division's weak. I understand the auto thing. Listen, I'm okay with that. He got an auto – on autopilot because the division was terrible. I understand that argument, but – you still got to go win 35 playoff games. I agree with people that. Who are people not in your division for the majority of the time? <clears throat> and so you've got to go beat them. You also had to go beat Peyton Manning, who's in the top 10 quarterback list, let's be honest. And, and a lot of people was in, his top, in the top five. He probably had the worst coaching staff of any great quarterback in the history of the world. Well, you still got to go beat them. And then you still had to go beat some, other teams, some really good teams in the NFC, right? And so – Brady had to beat good people. And so, listen, Mahomes is that Mahomes and Josh Allen are going to battle in the playoffs, I hope, for the next decade, because I think that's incredible football. Well, I hope Mahomes not. And Josh Allen to battle each other. I hope they never see each other again. And I hope Tua's in there beating up on Mahomes' rear end. <laughs> There's your roll tide. What are we at? Uh, 13 minutes. Great. Roll tide there. Uh, so, but listen, so we're going to talk more about the in the offseason about the, break, the, the dynasty of Mahomes, the dynasty of the Chiefs. Whether the 49ers are on the verge of a dynasty, is dynasty over, did it go up in flames before it even started? We're going to unpack all of that during the offseason when Justin and I get a chance to, to debate some of the things we want to talk about, talking about greatness, talking about dynasties, talking about the future of football. We're going to get into all of that in the offseason. So backing up to the Super Bowl, I wanted to make this. Uh, we didn't talk about this in the pre-show because I wanted to throw this out to you uh, to get your immediate reaction. Had the Chiefs lost, I think you blame a lot of it on Pacheco because I think he had a horrible game. And that dude fumbled, horrible fumble, one. Shout out to San Fran's defense because I think they caused that fumble. Wasn't Again, just wasn't him dropping the ball. But he looked shook, and he looked like he was trying to make up for it all game. And like we said, you lose that money in Vegas, you can't go chase it. And I know Robert Levy would be was probably screaming on from his couch when that guy couldn't. Didn't hold the football high and tight. So, you know, I think that's a that's a big one. Had the Chiefs lost, I think they're blaming the running back. Well, I mean, the whole big news is, is if Travis Kelsey going to beat Taylor Swift because he went over to Andy Reid hollering because he got replaced, his backup goes in there. The guy that he's supposed to block comes in, smacks Pacheco in the mouth, ball comes out, San Francisco recovers. Yep. Mahomes fumbled the ball twice. Yeah. Mahomes threw a pick. If, if, if Kansas City loses this game, you can't blame Pacheco. I'm blaming Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the whole 11 of them on offense. They they do nothing in the first half. Nothing. Yeah. They can't complete passes. They can't get open. And let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense is a shell of what it used to be because his receivers are awful. Now, the man threw for 300 yards. I, I was surprised. I didn't think he'd break 275. 
Here he is throwing 333. But you know what had to happen? Kelsey had nothing in the first half. He had 93 yards total. Absolutely crazy. Okay? Hardman, 57 yards. Watson, 54. Rice, who everybody thought they were going to, only 39 yards. He got almost 10 receivers involved. Great game in the second half in an overtime. But in the beginning, that's the one you've got to take care of. That's the one that you have to worry about is why is the offense struggling so much? Your offensive coordinator leaves. Why is he struggling so much? Yeah, I think that's something they got to unpack in the offseason because uh, you're not getting a three with that type of offense again. I just don't think so. I mean, the defense is that good. I think the defense is a real deal, but I think that their offense has got to get better because you're not going to go beat McCaffrey again. You're not going to go beat Lamar Jackson again. Josh Allen has got bulletin board material up the wazoo for for Patrick Mahomes. So I, like it's going to be a, it's going to be another climb to the top. All right, and, and listen, the defense stepped up in a big way, and and Mahomes needed to get it done when he when he needed to. He stepped up in a clutch moment and had a game winning drive. And shout out to him. But again, I'm with you. Offense has got to get better. That is, a, it is. I don't know if it's a shell of what it used to be, but it's not the high-powered, potent offense we're seeing. They're doing just enough to get it done, and sometimes I win ball games. Hey, listen, there's a, there's a great golfer named Jack Nicholas who did the exact same thing. He knew what he had to shoot, and he went out and did it. My question is, is why are they so slow getting started? Now, here's the thing: they just won the Super Bowl. Let's let's be honest; they did enough to win. I get that. Yep. Hey, if you're gonna live by that, that's fine. But in this game. In the Baltimore game, they could have been defeated easily. Oh, yeah. And and that's scary. But what's scary is, is they've got a draft coming up, and they're going to find some holes, and they're going to find some stars to fill them, and they might be better than they've ever been. They're, they're, two, they're one receiver and probably one or two offensive linemen away from having an offense nobody can touch. And if, as long as Travis Kelsey's around and you've got that blanket, Oh, it's a lock. They're going to be the best team in the AFC. Again, the sports books are idiots. They're, they're saying San Francisco's the favorite. And I'm sorry. I think Brock Purdy had a good game. But you can, you've got to stop betting against Patrick Mahomes. Another reason, another reason that I don't understand why these coaches allow their teams to kick for three points when you've got to face a guy that does nothing but annihilate defenses once he figures you out. Oh. And that's exactly what he did in the, play, in the overtime. He did it the last two drives of the uh, game, the regular uh, fourth quarter. So three drives, he just dominated. No, he did. He did. And talk about kicking, kicking it for three. Pause <clears throat> for a second, because I've got to, I've got to step up and say the kickers showed up in a big way. They had one job, and they absolutely performed. One of the greatest kicking displays I've seen. Three field goals over 50 yards, two of them 55 and greater, which cashed some prop bets. I think Tallman shouted out one of those prop bets as having an over 55 or 55 and over field goal. Three of them over 50, two 55 and over. What a performance from both. Two records. I, I, I got to give a shout out there. Two, yeah, records broken, and then, a, and then a, I think a quarter later or so, uh, or two quarters later, it's broken again. Incredible kicking performance. And again, that's what we talk about when you have one job. Those guys stepped up in a monster way and excelled. Shout out to the kickers. Step up till they didn't. Blocked extra point. Are you serious? Yeah, listen, everybody wants to blame the kicker on that one. I, I get he drills it low. I, listen, <laughs> I get it. 
I, I understand he drills it low. But sometimes people make great plays, and that's just making a great play. Got his hand up in the right spot, found the lane, and blocks the kick. I, I, listen, the kick was low. I understand. I, I, I get it. Online, with power, it's it, he makes it if the hand's not there. But again, sometimes defensive players make great plays. When I talk about kickers making kicks, I'm talking about when you have a 27 yard and you block it right, snap it left. You know, if he makes extra point, the well, and we could say we could say anything about what is and this happened now. You can't extra point. That's got to be in the. That's got to be in between the goalposts every time. There's no. Oh well, I kicked it low. You can't kick it low. I mean, these guys make plays. They <sighs> blocks the kick. Listen, I'm the biggest one that says kickers have one job to do, but sometimes there are going to be plays where defensive steps up and makes an incredible play. Nothing you can do about it. There's like a quarterback putting a ball on the money and the receiver's right there to catch it and the defender comes out of nowhere and swats it down. Sometimes defenses make great plays. That's why there's a defense. Well, I will tell you this. All the crap you give kickers, the special teams were the Super Bowl. The special teams made the Super Bowl from the three kicks over 50, yeah. the punt on the returner's, uh, not the returner, but the go man's heel, the non-recovery by the return man. Just, wow. Uh, the yeah. fact that it... it it affected the game, but it wasn't like it wasn't a the the, the kick on the, the punter the punt thing was just that's a one in a million chance it generally doesn't happen. But the field goals, I mean, just you have a choice: do you go for it right there? Do you kick it? Do you trust your kicker? And both of them stepped up. Moody sets the record. Then Buckner gets up there and pounds one a yard further. He sets the record after him. Uh, just, just phenomenal that they did. That they didn't cost the game. It, it wasn't the reason the game was lost, right? Like it, yeah. you know. No matter, and I joke about the extra point. I mean, things happen. You still have to overcome that. You can't leave it in the hands of them. You should have scored more points to the king of field goals. But, but at the end of the day, to see them just like you want them to do their job when they have to do it, whether it's in three seconds to go in the fourth quarter or it's you know three quarters left to play in the case of San Francisco. They did their job, and I, I really thought it was special because Moody's not necessarily a guaranteed kicker, obviously, but he goes up, he steps up, and gets the scoring going for San Francisco. It was, it was a really good good move for him. Yeah, it was. It was, and, and that's a, and that's. I also think coming down to it as well, one of the interesting things we talked about was, and I definitely was looking for this in the second half, was Shanahan's bonehead play, right? And I thought it came when it's a tie, it's a it, it's in the fourth quarter. They're in, they're in scoring range. They're in the red zone. They're, they're honestly driving the ball well. But then they, they start falter. They start faulting. They get in the red zone. They falter a little bit. And he has a chance to kick three. And he goes for it on fourth down. And I literally turned I, I, I turn to Austin, who's going to be on the show later on. I turn to Austin and I say, this is the play. This is the bonehead play because there's no chance you go for it. Kick three. They go for it. They end up getting it. They end up taking three points anyway. So he kind of gets bailed out. But – your kickers have been automatic. I mean, I think sometimes with your defense playing that well against Mahomes, and he's been playing, they have been playing that well against Mahomes. Get points, take your points, take the lead, move on. Yeah, I, I Shanahan's screw up was in the second half. Yep. Throw, 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 throw. You threw more times than you ran the ball. You didn't get McCaffrey going in the second half till late. I say that. At the same time, Debo goes out. Yeah, that's tough. Hurt. 
You lose your best, your, your second best defensive player in Greenlaw, uh, maybe a third behind Warner. That was and awful so. to see. That was, you never want to see that happen. I mean, no. he's hype, he's excited, he runs on the field, bang, Achilles, and it's just like, oh, uh, you just cringe at that kind of stuff. Yeah, and part of the problem with him going out is when they change the defense up, they bring a safety in that doesn't know the coverages that was sitting on his couch a couple weeks ago. So all that said – you talk about Shanahan. This is the third Super Bowl he's been up by 10-plus points and lost. One of them, he was up 25. He's the offensive coordinator in one of them. Two of them, he's a head coach. But as an offensive coordinator, you're up 10 points. You know better than to kick field goals. And they – they, I told I told in the pregame show, lights get brighter, and I don't think he can handle it. And that's why I – when oh, so, so here's the question that was posed today on the show I watch. Andy Reid in Philadelphia had the, the best team in the 2000s in the NFC. They went to the NFC Championship game. They only won Super Bowl, but they, they were constant in the NFC Championship game. Nothing. Goes to Kansas City, makes Alex Smith a better quarterback. Then he gets his kid Patrick Mahomes. Goes to four out of five Super Bowls, wins three of them. Do you think Shanahan needs to move? That's a great question. So the only thing I will say is you're talking about Andy Reid in the 2000s. There was a man by the name of Tom Brady in the league. And you're talking about something where, uh, for some of it, not all of it, for some of it, right? But at the same time, you're talking about could that be the same setup that Shanahan's in? Because the other man, the man in the other league is Patrick Mahomes, and he's lost to him every single time. So right. moving, I, the moving doesn't fix anything for me, in my opinion. Moving doesn't change anything because you're still going to have to go beat Mahomes. Whether it's, if you move the AFC team, it's an AFC title game. If it's an NFC again, you're going to face him in the Super Bowl. I think it comes down to where Shanahan's got to figure something out. He's an offensive genius. He's a brilliant young mind. The problem is, again, when you start outthinking yourself, when you start doubting yourself, I don't think that he has that clutch gene. Because like you said, he's up 25 points as the OC. He's up 10 twice as a head coach, and he loses. At some point, you have to realize you may not, you just may not have that clutch gene. Because then it, the doubt keeps saying, like, am I always going to lose? And I, I'm sure that's starting to creep in. I hope it doesn't. But... I don't think moving makes a difference. I don't. I mean, so where do you, what, what do you, what? I don't, I don't know if you want to dive into this right now. What do you fix? What do you fix? You, you can't say nothing about the quarterback. Yeah, you can't say nothing about the running back. Do you got to get healthy receivers? I mean, is George Kittle done? You know, I, I thought he was a kind of non existent in the game. I didn't really. Oh, wait, listen. Those, those quarterbacks and those linebackers, him and Debo and Ayuk, weren't touching balls. I can tell you right now. They were on them. They were tight coverage. It was a, it was gr- defensively in the backfield. Kansas City knew what they were doing, and Chris Jones showed up on like five plays. But Brock Purdy had time. Okay, I'm tired of hearing he didn't have time. He's short. He doesn't know how to throw like Breeze does. But he had time. He didn't have. He, he's got to stop holding ball. Let the ball go. You know. I'll tell you this. I think. I think. So when you say like, what, what is there to fix, right? I think we 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 look at it one dimensional. Like we got to fix something on the team. It, it might not be that. It might be where uh, there's got to be a, a an assistant head coach that takes over late game stuff for him. 
or an assistant or assistant that in the defensive side that takes over all of that kind of stuff. Because again, you've shown you've had opportunities and you can't clutch up. You can't clutch and, and get things done. There have been clutch athletes and, and clutch coaches in our in our in our in our life that we've watched that step up in big ways and get things done. Look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban's one of the clutchest coaches you can come across. Do you think Nick Saban's losing 10-point ball game in the title game? No, he's not. Do you think Nick Saban's ever lost up 25 points? I bet you whoever stat guy's out there that listens to this, go back and research that. I get you. I bet you Nick Saban's never lost a 25-point I can tell you now, that ain't ever happened. But that's my point, though, that sometimes people just don't have that clutch gene. For an example, when Carmelo Anthony was like in his second or third year, I said to everyone I was in group chat with, He'll never win a title. He'll never win a title. He doesn't have it. He does not have that clutch gene. He never did. There, there are people that just can't win the big game. They can't do it. Yeah, but you yeah. talk about the other guy. I mean, goodness, look at who he came out with. I mean, he had to go. He had to go. Kobe Bryant's in L.A. when he's in Denver. God forbid he came to the East and had to face the Celtics or LeBron. I'll say it right now. Shanahan will never win a Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, we talk about bowl predictions. Mike Mike Mills has been drinking a lot of bourbon tonight. Never win a Super Bowl. Here's my thing. Here's my thing I want to bring up to you right now. Kyle Shanahan, as a, how, how about this? Kyle Shanahan as a head coach will never win a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan as a head coach will never win a Super Bowl. He's lost three Super Bowls to the GOAT and possibly the future, two to the future GOAT. He lost with Matt Ryan. Who nobody would bet for against Tom Brady, and he lost with Jimmy Garoppolo, who the Patriots let go because they knew he was the next goat, and he lost with Brock Purdy. Give me, I tell you what, I heard a rumor today. Give me Kirk Cousins. Give me Kirk Cousins. Oh, you can't win. No one can win with Kirk Cousins. Give me Kirk Cousins and Shanahan's offense. Watch it. Watch him go to the Super Bowl and beat Mahomesy. Look, right at what had, look at who he had against Patrick Mahomes. You can't tell me. Okay, I agree with what you're saying. Patrick Mahomes, get out of here. Get out of here. In Shanahan's offense, I think he's better than Brock Purdy. The question has always been, can Tom Brady leave the Patriots and win? The answer was yes. Can Brock Purdy leave the San Francisco 49ers and be as good as he was this year on another top 10 team? The answer is no. Correct. The answer is no. I agree. So you have to approve that. I don't think he's that good. I don't think Listen, listen. You know what I love about him? It's his faith. I love his faith. I think he's a decent quarterback, but he's not great. He's not elite. If you replace Garoppolo or Purdy with an elite quarterback, you're not putting up field goals anymore. You're scoring one more touchdown to win the game. In what world is Kirk Cousins an elite quarterback? In what world? In what world has he played for a team where he could be elite? The Vikings and the Redskins? If Tom Brady had gone to the Cleveland Browns, is he Tom Brady or is he a six-round draft pick that bust out? Tom Brady. Oh, my gosh. Are you are you, are you you kidding me? I'm losing my mind right now. I am lo- Dan Marino was the, is the greatest quarterback, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game until Patrick Mahomes. As far as the position goes, I'm not talking about accolades, but as far as playing the position, when he came in the league, he played the quarterback, the best that's ever been played, and he's second best now to Patrick Mahomes. Forget the accolades. Go look at the points. Look at the stats. He dominates everybody. In today's game, he'd win every Super Bowl. It wouldn't be any question. But he doesn't have any championships. Okay? Because the team around him. 
and the greatest quarterback there. Tom Brady is the absolute greatest to ever play the game. His first three Super Bowls he had nothing to do with. His first three Super Bowls are defensive-based. Put him on the Browns, he would have done it. Because here's my point. Greatness finds a way to win. Greatness finds a way to step up. Because that's why they're great. When you talk about, oh, Shanahan had to face the GOAT. He had to face Brady. He had to face Mahomes. The reason they're face Mahomes or they're face Brady, that's why that's a saying, is because they are great. They step up and find ways to win. If Shanahan was great, he would have beat. He would have won all three Super Bowls. That's my point. You, you were, you're hypothetically saying that he's so good, he should do this. If he is, do it. Because in the end of the day, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And he didn't win. Listen, I'm a huge Marino fan. I think Marino is is skillfully one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And from a pure skill standpoint, absolutely. But when you talk about greatest to ever play the game, it's Tom Brady. And great, Brady's the greatest player to ever play. Brady's also one of the greatest athletes of all time across all sports. One of them. Well, I mean, I, I agree with that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Go back to all this. So when he was an offensive coordinator in Atlanta, should have scored more points. He had Matt Ryan. Everyone would call him Matty Ice. Matt Ryan wasn't that good. MVP or not, not that good. Not better than Tom Brady. What I'm saying is I agree with you. You need to find a way to get it done. The problem is he's got subpar quarterback play. The lights get brighter. Are the lights necessarily getting brighter for Shanahan? Yes, as he made a coach mistake here and there, but so is Andy Reid. The difference is is his players can overcome what Purdy and Garoppolo couldn't. And you put and you got McCaffrey in the fold. McCaffrey doesn't fumble right there. We're not talking about this. We're talking about, man, is San Francisco building a dynasty? But the greatest player to play the game today, I don't care about Patrick Mahomes, the greatest player to play the game today, Christian McCaffrey, fumbled on the first drive, losing seven points. I get it. Listen, I, I, I'm not arguing that. But, but again, we're going to unpack this later throughout the offseason. A quick reset in the show. This is the Up and Running Pod. Follow us on X at Up and Running Pod. We're on Spotify, YouTube, Apple. We want to give a quick shout-out to all the guests that came on the Super Bowl preview show. Coach Levy, Tommen, Maddie B, Mason, thank you all for taking time out of your day. Thank you for taking your time to, to give our listeners your thoughts, your predictions, uh, whether it was the over and under, prop bets, whatever it was. We really wanted to say thank you all for, for coming on the show. We appreciate that. Uh, we're gonna have If you do like guests and if you're one of our listeners and, and you're excited about the guests coming up, we do have a couple more guests lined up. We're going to have one on the recap show. We're going to get some in, when it gets in the heavy to baseball season. Also going to have a March Madness guest for you. There's plenty of other guest lines up, so you don't have to just keep listening to Turkey and myself if that makes you bored. I heard <laughs> that so um, we're definitely going to have those guests on again. They were they were great guests. I thought they uh, they all had a lot of unique aspects and different definitely. dynamic to say. So uh, Justin and I aren't done debating the Brady Mahomes thing. That's going to happen throughout the offseason. So more to get to on that. But let's talk about a debate that is going on right now, Justin. A lot of heat on Shanahan. And, and, and listen, I've already made my bold prediction. You know how I feel about him. A lot of heat on him for this OT, for overtime rules. For those that don't know, overtime rules were different. And the overtime rules say that you each team's going to get a possession. So I'm going to walk and set the scene. I'm going to start this off first. I think you're going to bring it home and close it for us on this one. But... The OT, the coin toss happens, San Francisco wins. And they're roasting Shanahan for taking the ball first. Here is where I will come to his defense. I think he was made the best decision possible. He takes the ball first because your defense was out there gassed, trying to stop Mahomes, and they didn't. You also get a chance to get the ball twice versus Mahomes getting it once because if you both score touchdowns, you get the ball again. 
So you avoid Mahomes having the ball twice. You also give Brock Purdy a chance to go down and score with no added pressure. No, I have to go get six. I, I, I only need three. Whatever it may be, you have no pressure. You can run your offense. And you put the pressure on your defense after giving them a break and saying, look, we need one stop. You give us one stop, it's over. I think it was a great decision. Yeah. So if you go back and look at it, um, you know, with about eight, nine minutes left to play, maybe 10 minutes left to play, um, Kansas City gets the ball. They go on a 12-play drive. That's seven, six, seven minutes there. But the defense on the field, that probably a 10, 15-minute drive that when you calculate the time, not just on the on the field, right? San Francisco gets the ball back. They come down, drive down to a field goal, only take three minutes off the clock. Defense is right back on the field for 11 plays, 64 yards for Kansas City to kick a field goal. That's not a long time. It was a two-minute drill there, but that's a lot of time for your defense to be on the field back-to-back. You know, they're trying to go hard. They're trying to get the stop, win the Super Bowl. They tie the game up, take a knee, and then boom. You win the coin toss, you get the ball. Versus giving Kansas City the ball and having to put your defense right back out there after 23 plays, it's it's a great way to get your defense a rest, get them, get them breathing, get some fluids in them, get them some oxygen, because your offense went out there and went 67 yards for 7 minutes and 38 seconds. Now they're rested. The issue with it is he didn't kick, he didn't score a touchdown. And that's where people are going to roast him. He had third and four inside the 10, didn't go for it, which I don't know that you can. Kicks a field goal. Mahomes is going to do his thing. 13 plays, fourth and one, he gets it. Just they they drew up some plays that were a lot different. The option run, which wasn't really an option run, it was Kelsey, go block for me, and I'm coming behind you on fourth them. Great play call there. I mean, they're going to yeah. get it. It's one yard, right? But the defense was gassed there at the end. They were going 100 miles an hour. Your backside ta- uh, defensive end, uh, or front side, really, isn't doing what he needs to do in Chase Young. He's slow. He's not getting upfield. That really was a great decision. It just the offense didn't do their job. And sure. a lot it's of that a great comes- decision. It's a great decision. Yeah, I, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, and people are roasting him saying, and, and listen, and, and I heard someone this, to say this today. Uh, they said, well, it couldn't be a great decision because it didn't work out. I think that's crap. I, I don't think that's true. It can be a great decision that just doesn't work out because you'd still make the same decision tomorrow, right? So it's a great decision. Yes, it didn't work out, but it's still a great decision. D- did that cost them the Super Bowl? No, I don't think so because look at the defense. The defense forced third down at least that I can remember Three times, maybe four on that drive. I know for a fact it was three. It might have been a fourth. But they, they got to third down that many times. I think they got the fourth down once or twice. So the defense was there to make the play. Purdy goes down and gets three because, and I don't agree going for it there. I think you should kick three if you're San Fran. Put the automatic points on the board because if you get a fumble, you get a pick, you get some type of play from your defense, game's over, you win. All you yeah. need is to stop, right? I did that, yeah. If you go for it and you don't get it, everybody's going to question you because now all Mahomes has got to do is go down and get three. So I would rather have more pressure on Mahomes as much as you can put on there and put the step on your defense because that's who's the clutch person for you is your defense. That defense has been clutch all season. Ride them. And listen, they almost pulled it off. They almost stopped Mahomes several times. He drives down the field and he does get Mahomes magic. I think the defense was gassed, and I thought they caught him sleeping on that last play. Mahomes 
you know, easy pitch and catch for a touchdown. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just a, that's a, I don't care what anybody says. I don't know why that play isn't run more often. Keep everybody inside tight. Your receiver's going to break left and then go out right to the end zone. It should be a touchdown every time. Um, they got him in third downs, like you said, three times. It's 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 a really hard debate. It's like Dan Campbell going for it against the Cowboys, you know, in the regular season three times in a row from for the two. Let's go win the game and get it over with. Did that hurt them in the end? You don't know. It cost them a number one seed, blah, 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 whatever. But at the end of the day, he's still making that call. That's Dan Campbell. Sure. Shanahan's plan here was to get the third possession like we had talked about. It just didn't work out. And everybody's going to crucify you when it doesn't work out. But at the same time, if the other way doesn't work out, they're going to crucify you the same way. I mean, it just it's it's a no-win situation in these things. You did what you thought was best. I think I think you can do it both ways. I like the way Andy Reid talks about it. You get the extra down in case, you know, you know you got to get a touchdown. So it's fourth and something, you can do something with it. Whereas in, in San Francisco's thing, the only added pressure they had there was a the defense just came off of two drives of 23 plays. They need a break. Yeah, you talk about, well, if they give up the touchdown, at least you know you got to go get one. Yeah, but going to get one with Brock Purdy versus going to get one with Patrick Holmes are two, Holmes are two different things. And I think I think Shanahan – look, Shanahan's a genius. There's a reason he's coached in two Super Bowls as a head coach, one as an offensive coordinator, and a reason he's got one of the best offenses in the league. He knows what he's doing, okay? At the end of the day, he just doesn't have a superstar leading the team. There's only so much McCaffrey can do. There's only so much Kittle can do or Debo, or Ayuk. There's only so much they can do. Do I think he overthought himself? Yes. You, you tried to do exactly what Baltimore tried to do. You went away from what gets you where you're supposed to be, and it didn't work out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when it was working, you still went away from it. You, you, you don't do much of it in the first half. You get to the end of the third, end of the fourth, boom, boom, boom. I mean – you know, we're group chatting and like, man, good play call. Three play calls in a row, boom, they're working out. Yeah. And we just, all of a sudden, our brain explodes, and we forget how to call offenses. Yeah, and listen, and the trick play worked out. We knew that was coming, right? So uh, shout out to those prop betters who had over two and a half uh, players attempting a pass because uh, that definitely came through and it was a clutch one. So uh, and keep up with the OT debate because we're about to bring on a guest who you heard Justin and I, we both agree with Shanahan. We're bringing on a guest who completely disagrees with us. He's going to be on the other side of this coin where he thinks Shanahan should have uh, deferred. And he should have kicked it to, to Mahomes and put his defense out first. You're going to hear his, his take on this. Uh, we wanted to bring that different type for you. But before we bring uh, Austin on, Justin, if KC won the toss, I think that they should have deferred. Don't put Mahomes out first. I think you, you again, you put the pressure on the person who can handle the most. I want my pressure on Mahomes because he can get it done. I think you put the defense out there to get a stop because now Mahomes knows he's got to get done. I want Mahomes in that situation knowing what he has to get done if I'm KC. If I'm San Fran, again, I'm taking the ball first because I, I don't want the pressure on Purdy. I want it on my defense. But if I'm KC, I, I tell my defense, go get a stop. If, if, if you get seven, I mean, if you give up seven, Mahomes is going to get you seven and we'll be fine. And the reason I say that is because if you put Mahomes out there first, and something happens, and he gets stopped. Your defense trots on that field going, well, there's no hope. There's no chance for winning. Mahomes just got stopped. Yeah. There's no chance. You're deflating your defense for they get out there. Well, I think the same thing. I think it works both ways. We, we, we talk about this a lot with college football, right? Like, 
overtime. Everybody gets possession, first and 10 from the 25. You always defer. You always go on defense first. It, it, I don't care. There's no chance in the world you're not. But this is different. You have kickoffs. You have punts. You're playing a new game. Every One possession each, and then it's, it's sudden death. You, you've got to do what you think is best at the time. And I think anybody, anybody's crazy to believe that with the defense doing what they had just done, you're not, you're not putting them back on the field first. I just yeah. I don't believe that's even possible. I think if Casey gets it, like you just said, and, I, and I'll tell you right now, if Casey's defense was in San Francisco's place, you're still not taking the ball. Really? Still, yeah, I still think Andy Reid's like, nope, y'all go out there and play again. Sorry about your luck. Okay. Because you have Patrick Mahomes. That's the difference. That That's when you talk about okay. Okay, I greatness, when you talk about somebody that a gamer, when you talk about somebody that can go do it, get it done, I'd rather him go get it done for me than for him not to go get it done for me. See, I, right? I, 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 I'm, I'm of the mindset of if, if I have Patrick Mahomes, I want him to have as much information and also the pressure and weight on his shoulders because I know he can handle it. That's my rock. That's my rock star. That's my superstar. That's my, you know, uh, MVP, that's my leader on the team. I want him to be able to determine. And so at that point, if he needs to go four on fourth, if he needs to get up seven, he needs to get three, whatever it may be, that's what I want to have happen. So that's why I give him the ball second. And I understand the argument of, well, you give Mahomes a chance to get it twice. Mahomes may only need it once. If your defense gets out there and gets a stop, Mahomes yeah. only needs it once to get a score. But at the same time, if your defense gives up seven, now the whole team's riding on Mahomes' back, which is where you want them to be. I want them riding on their back. I don't want them riding on the defensive back. Which is probably where he wants to be. But but again, look at the game. It's not a it's not a 45-43 game. It was 19 to 19. Nobody's so, driving up and down the field in two possessions scoring touchdown or field goal. So just yeah. let it roll, you know? Well, and to say and to bring up 19-19, I wanted to bring this up earlier when we're talking about Super Bowl prop bets. How about all the people in Super Bowl squares around the country and listeners listening to this show? How thrilled were they because you saw some of the most unique Super Bowl square numbers? Nines, fives, it was sixes. It was wild to see Super Bowl square numbers. I mean, no one, if you drew up Super Bowl squares and you had five two, you didn't think you had a prayer. You had, yeah. like, there's no chance. Hate life. Yeah. If you had nine nine, you were like, I don't have a prayer it winning. But you 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 get you get your uh, payout. However your payouts pay, whether it was into the fourth before OT or it was you know when it, it's a score change, whatever it may be, you never thought you were gonna get paid. No. It, it was a five two wins, and that's like that. There's no chance five two swept the whole you know the whole thing at the end. That's crazy to me. So uh, what a wild game, and, and also. So b before we get into to bringing Austin, we want to talk about some of the, the Vegas bets too. Some of the prop bets cashed in big. PJ in the group chat hits purple Gatorade. What? And I think you shouted out purple Gatorade on the pre-show, if I'm not mistaken. I know we talked about yellow and orange being some of the favorites. You were you were hoping it was it was orange, but purple showed up in a big way. Uh, we had the coin toss. I I lost. I had tails as I always do. Um, but purple Gatorade, PJ PJ making a big collection. And another favorite one we talked about was uh, McCaffrey anytime score, Kelsey anytime score. Kelsey did not get one, so the books took some uh, 
took a, a lot of profit on that one. But Justin, how did Vegas end up? So Vegas struggled a little bit. <laughs> they were down nine million from their average. They made around four million in the sports books there at Vegas. Uh, normally bringing about thirteen. A lot of it has to do with the overtime catching that over. A lot of the books had forty six and a half versus forty seven and a half. Yep. Um, the Kelsey thing kept them kind of close because a lot of people had Kelsey anytime score. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Christian McCaffrey, you're taking a bath on that. He had fifteen touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, with the one in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, what, what are you going to do there, right? I think the OT was uh, plus 3,000 for it to go into overtime, I think. I saw on, on one book. So well, it's not, it's not just that. You look at Patrick Mahomes' yards, 333. Uh, Brock Purdy yards, touchdowns, interceptions, the fumbles, the two fumbles for Patrick Mahomes. You know, the, the crazy thing is – the field goal over 55. Right. So, Kyle brings up the field goal piece. Not one, but two. Um you know, and talking about a late game, it wasn't even a late game. This is in the middle of the game when nothing really, you know, wasn't a big deal. Like over over two and a half uh, pass attempts by a player, or over two and a half players pass uh, attempting a pass. That catch, right. yeah. And and Coach Levy said that McCaffrey might throw a touchdown pass. He didn't, but he caught a touchdown pass from another player, yeah. who also is one of the first since Nick Foles to catch and throw for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I mean, really, some the the crazy stat, the crazy prop bets, right? Like throw and catch for a touchdown, which you're only getting at at sports books, really, generally in Vegas. Very odd to have those on a BetMGM or ESPN bet, whatever you use. But I mean, the numbers were outstanding. I mean, they had to have been large for things like that. Bigger things hit. The one that didn't hit that everybody with it that you and Brueggemann both called was the under, and I was extremely surprised. Um, you know, of course. A touchdown for San Francisco in the overtime would have caused it, but absolutely really thought this game was going to go there. And until the the second half started and Kansas City remembered, well, we play offense too, I, you know, I mean, not just an under, but under 20 points. I mean, we were at 13 at halftime, you know. So definitely Vegas uh, didn't do great, but they always win, and they, they won a ton. They won a ton. The money they brought in this week from the visitors, um, they said uh, Monday morning after the Super Bowl, 575 business jets pulled out of that airport. Just absolutely insane. Um, one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in, in years. Yeah, it was. And it really it was really exciting. And I think uh, the the Vegas taking a bath, like I'm never going to be apologizing for that. that. That place gets plenty of my money, your money, everybody else's money. So they'll be fine. But I thought the biggest one was so many people took San Fran money line. And so the Vegas, it had that been the other way around and you're taking Mahomes, KC money line was plus money. And so if you're, if you're betting on Mahomes versus Brock Purdy, I think at that point, uh, Vegas takes even a bigger bath because so many large bets were on KC money line. So that kind of saved them there. But a lot of prop bets hit uh, one of my favorites finally hit this year over uh, longest touchdown. Uh, no, uh, yeah, the over and under, it, it's like a half yard, I think it is, or one and a half. So uh, the over hit finally. Um, so that's the first time that's ever happened that I can remember. Um, so I usually always take that when I didn't this year. Obviously, it hits, but that was an interesting one. I was fine. Also, the no team's going to score three unanswered uh, is an interesting prop bet as well. So I think some some monster prop bets came through this year. Uh, it was a unique prop bet game, I think. Um, so the the 
<coughs> excuse me. So the no the the no three didn't happen, but at the same time, a lot of other big prop bets hit. The purple Gatorade PJ got I think uh, plus two seventy five or something like that. He said, uh, which was a cool one. So uh, anyway, shout out to the prop bet guys that everyone that had them. Uh, Looks sounds like everybody kind of came through. The interesting thing was the anthem this year, Justin. Yeah, uh, you've got one of the biggest superstars in the world, and Reba McIntyre. She comes out, does her thing. Um, the music really was crazy. I mean, you had you, know, you had a halftime show there with Usher, which was going to be huge. I'm sure we'll get that in a minute. But um, really interesting, the, the acts they had come perform um, early on, especially with a country singer doing it. You know, she's known for her long ballads, um, you know, but did a great job. Yeah, and she was, hey, listen, she was right on the number, they said. She was, like, right there on the number. Had she not given a couple pauses or whatever, I I, I think she would have been clear under. So, uh, interesting to see what that, our guest is definitely going to talk about that as well. So, um, but we've we've talked about um, it, the over and under. We, we, we shouted that out with the anthem. We shouted that out with the coin toss. And so much money has been on that. So, job well done from Vegas. Job well done from the profits. That was cool. Uh, Usher. Let's talk about Usher. I thought his halftime performance was very good. I thought I thought the performance was great. Uh, I thought bringing out Alicia Keys. I'm the huge Alicia Keys fan, so that was a cool. I got I actually got up off the couch when that happened, so I was cool to see Alicia. Uh, but I thought Usher hit did the hits, uh, brought some of the old school, new school in. I thought it was great. Um, <clears throat> so you know, I I thought it was a great nostalgia like halftime show. Uh, for those of us born in the 80s, you know, you bring Usher in, you bring Alicia Keys in, you get Lil John's in there, you know, he's great. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of music that we listened to growing up that was popular when we were in middle of high school. But Usher, man, you might want to get on the treadmill, work out a little bit. Boy, you were sweating. I mean, look tired, gas. from the guy whose nickname is Turkey. Hey, listen, I'm, I get that, but I'm not on stage at the Super Bowl. Now, if they want me, I'll go do some karaoke, sing some Shameless. Um, but we, okay, listen. One of the best karaoke singers anyone listening to this podcast has ever seen. You <laughs> know that is true. I thought that the last five minutes of the show were great, and then it had to end, and they didn't know what to do with the ending. Yeah. Like, he just kept screaming, yeah, at the end, and I'm like, bro, like, finish it, right? Yeah. So... You know, I think I think one of the big things for me to take away from it was I, I I enjoy that. Like that's fun. It gets a whole different bunch of age groups in there, you know, different dynamics there, men, women, but do you I wanna be I wanna be going hundred percent during the Super Bowl halftime show. So like a rock band expected to be like some knocked I thought Usher did a great job. You can't always be going hundred percent. That's a tough performance to put on. No, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, to, to, to that point, I do agree with that. I think bringing in the, the cameos was awesome. That's, that's the best way to do it. But for me, like I don't want to see the Rolling Stones that are 105 years old. But you could bring a rock band, have a rock show, but, and you can do the Usher thing. You can do the Little John thing. You can do like they did last year with Dr. Dre and Eminem and 50 and all those guys, right? But it's got to hit. It can't pause. It's, it's a halftime show. You've got 15 minutes, and I know it's exhausting. Don't get me wrong. I understand where that part's coming from, but it just didn't hit in the beginning. Alicia Keys misses her first three notes. 
So if I'm going to critique it, listen, I loved it. I thought it was great. I told Brandy, I was like, this is great. You need to come watch this. If I was going to critique it, look at it. I'm like, it was good. It brought me all back in the nostalgia feels. But at the end of the day, I, like, yeah, I'm ready to get pumped up. It's a great Super Bowl. It's 10-3 and a half. My boys Niners are leading. Let's go. And it was more like it started off slow. And then they got to yeah. Now, when yeah came on, I was like, that's, that's what I wanted. 15 minutes of that. You could have just done that song four or five times. The little John come in there and scream, yeah, five thousand times. And that would have been perfect. But Luda not coming on stage was great. Not everyone can handle I can't help that. I, I'm trying to get excited. Ludacris was great. When Ludacris came on, I was ready to jump off the couch, but I was reclining, feeling good. You used to drink a case of Mountain Dew. No one can handle their heart rate beating at 180 as a resting heart rate. No one can handle that but you. Well, I'm sorry. Lance Armstrong and I were born with hearts bigger than our heads. I can't help what y'all normal folks have with these small little hearts. Mine's like this big, okay? So I can handle all that, pumping the blood everywhere it needs to go. True that. The lovable turkey, as everyone used to call him. So, yeah, I, I, absolutely. can handle a whole case of Mountain Dew and go right to sleep. It's amazing to me. Uh, but anyway, final thoughts on Super Bowl, Justin, before we wrap this up um, on the Super Bowl coverage. We've got a little bit of golf we're going to touch on, but Super Bowl, I, I thought it was great. That was a phenomenal game. Second only overtime game we've seen. I thought Vegas handled it well. I'm not a big fan of it being in Vegas because I think there's other things to do. We talked about that a lot on the preview show. I'm not going to rehash that. But the game delivered, OT delivered, stars delivered, and Mahomes and them have their dynasty looking for three. Yeah, I, I really I really couldn't be more excited about what's to come. I think one of the great things you can take away from this game is you, you generally don't get two teams that are so evenly matched. Um, you can go position by position, and it's going to be a 50-50 split, I believe. And if they played the game 10 times, I think it comes out 5-5. Five to five. You know, a few things here for Shanahan, a few things here for Reed, just as coaches on the team, players, same thing. But, man, what a game. What a weekend, you, you know. I guess that the most impressive part for me is Brock Purdy didn't fold like everybody thought he was going to. Yeah, he didn't. He, did not. he didn't come out and put up 300 yards. He didn't throw for 20 touchdowns, but but he played the game. He did what he had to. He took his team to overtime against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, even at his young age, and he stood toe-to-toe with them and just didn't make enough plays. And that's okay. Like, I don't I don't want to hear this game manager anymore. He He played the game. If nothing else, this is he did exactly what Tom Brady did in his first three Super Bowls. So we're going to roll with that for right now. I, I, I mean, I'd like to see Miami in the Super Bowl next year, but I really would like to see another San Francisco KC. Oh, this just in, Kansas City host, or San Francisco is going to host Kansas City next year in the regular season. So we will get a Super Bowl rematch next year. Sure. Don't know what part of the season will be in, but super excited for that. I think both teams are very fortunate to have young pieces. McCaffrey's, yeah. I think, through there and until 2028, um, Purdy's still in that low contract. Plenty of cap room for them to add. Kansas City's right there. Like I said, a couple linemen just to shore up the offensive line for Mahomes. Not that they're bad, but give them another piece. And, you know, Chris Jones might leave this year. Defensive end, got to bring another one of them in. And maybe another receiver with some sure hands. The question is, being that they have all this capital with them now, do you trade up and maybe get Marvin Harrison Jr.? That's a topic for another day, but definitely – think Kansas City and San Francisco are on their way to keep doing this, battling it out in the championship games and then hopefully make it to the Super Bowl a couple more times. Yeah, good point. Yeah, a lot to, lot to unpack this offseason. We're definitely going to talk about uh, predictions going forward, what Justin and I think about and what we see for next year. We're going to have that as a, as a preview of the NFL Draft Show coming in April, uh, so stay tuned for that. So, Justin, from one party to the next, Waste Management Phoenix Open, 
was an absolute party. Was an absolute, you can insert a different explicative in here, was a dumpster fire. The golf was phenomenal. They had a really cold, rainy, uh, had some, provided some phenomenal highlights. One being Scotty Scheffler putting from off, putting on the green, puts off the green into a bunker, which is disastrous from the number one player in the world. Uh, Jordan yeah. Spieth made birdie from a mud puddle, it looked like, which is incredible because Jordan Spieth makes birdie from basically anywhere. Um, except also, the fairway. Except the fairway. <laughs> um, but Nick Taylor beats Charlie Hoffman in a playoff. Heartbreaker for Hoffman. Had the waste management on, had the green on. Uh, really thought he played well. Uh, Nick Taylor just clutch, clutch uh, approach shot after clutch approach shot gets it done. But that was the golf. What we really are here to talk about is, again, the party that it was. Justin, did the waste management get out of hand? Yes. Now, that's In a way. A lot. If Turkey says it gets out of hand, let me tell you, it got out of hand, folks. So I've, I've been watching the show on Netflix about golf, and, and one thing that one of the players I don't like says is that golf is a gentleman's game. Waste management Phoenix Open has nothing to do with gentlemen at all at the 16th hole, or so you thought. This week, the rain, I mean, the West Coast is getting drilled this week. Last week, you know, Pebble Beach was shortened. My issue with the waste management is this. There are limits to what you should be able to do at golf courses. There are limits at the waste management on the PGA Tour, and we passed all of them this week. They sold 4 million drinks. They overserved by about 2 million. Um, a big thing for me that I think I have a problem with is you can go have fun. I don't mind the beer showers. I don't mind the cans. But when every day you've got people running out, you know, you know, making angels in the sand traps or fat guys rolling down a hill, like this ain't a hockey game, folks. This isn't, this isn't a place to show your butt and, and think it's cool. You're interrupting play. The, like I said, the beer showers, they got guys that come pick up. They get that. You knock one in, you hit it, you, you ace, you get a birdie, you hit one tight. They're going to go nuts. You make a long puff of birdie, you chip one in. They're going to go nuts. That's great. I love that. But you can't involve yourself and take away from the golf. No, it can't. You know, it can't be, it can't be something that Happy Gilmore's going, oh, that's a little too much, too. Listen, this is, this is, my, <clears throat> this is my hashtag do better section. If you're a fan of the Waste Management Open, you should be ashamed of yourself at how some of them acted. Do better. And I say that because I have no problem with the beer showers on 16. Someone hits it close. The fans get into it. I think last year, <clears throat> Joel Damon had a ball. Uh, was it Tom Hoagie had a great time when he lifted his shirt up? Or where, oh, yeah, yeah. Close. So that's all fun and games, and that's what makes it fun. This year went way past that line. And to your point about over-serving, it got dangerous. Someone fell from the grandstands. They said uh, uh, there was at least 10 people blacked out that had to get, you know, taken to an ambulance, taken to a hospital. So this has gotten dangerous. I'm all for the fun. I love the rowdiness. I think the 16-hole setup is great. I've actually gotten a chance to play that course when the setup was already there. So I've seen it. I've never been to the Waste Management Open, but I've played a couple weeks after it and where it was still up. And it's an incredible view. Uh, it's an incredible environment. <clears throat> Maybe we'll post that video to, to X of uh, the T-ball I hit on 16 there. But it's an incredible atmosphere, and I think it's fun. And I love the fact that golf's getting more enjoyable, more social. Everyone's having a good time. But when you're rolling around in the mud, sliding down, ruining the golf course, when you're making snow angels, interrupting people's play, 
when you're heckling golfers to the point they have to stop their round to come talk to you to, yeah. to try to get you uh, either kicked out or shut up or something, then you're taken away from the sport. Then you're being ridiculous. And then to the point where some people have had to get carried out or put on a stretcher. I'm all for having fun, but now it got dangerous. And to your point of over-serving, the tour's got to do something to limit that because that event can't go away. It's an incredible event. That 16th hole is an incredible environment. I mean, we have the Tiger raising the roof videos. Yeah. The aces on 16, which are incredible. I don't want that to go away because it is a, it's a fun, enjoyable sport. People go have fun at it. But one, take care of yourself. It's not worth your life falling 20 feet from a grandstand. It's uh -huh. not worth damaging your health that serious. It's just not. No party ever is. And at the same time, you've also got to respect the game, respect the players that are playing for millions of dollars. Because if they don't play, we have nothing to go watch. And it's right. vice versa, right? If no one watches, they don't play for that much money. So I get the point, it's vice versa. But hashtag do better, do better, please. Because next year, it, it cannot be worse. It cannot be the same. It's got to get cleaned up. Yeah, it's it's just a respect thing. If you if you don't respect, it's it's no different than you go down to your local dirt track and you get to hole number three and nobody's fixing divots. You know the rule on that is just for everybody watching, fix one and then somebody else's. But we play a course. We've played it many times. You and I, Queenfield, and and you know I don't mind if you go play golf and you suck and you're a plus eight or you're an eighteen handicap. I have no problem with that. But respect the game, and I think that's what's lost on the waste management. And, and it's funny because we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. This is exactly what Liv is promoting, golf but louder. But the PGA Tour, just like everything they've screwed up in the last 24 months, screwed this up. You can't – you're punishing the millions of people that show up to that tournament or hundreds of thousands of people that show up to that tournament because a select few, you know, let's say it's 5,000 of them, can't control themselves. You know, there's no way you're not going to mass control this because money powers everything. So they get, you know, they sold 4 million drinks, Mike. Even if that's at $2 a pop, that's $8 million right there. Boom. And we know it's not that. And that shows the greed because you're willing to hurt someone's health. All right. All right. Because if, they, if they're past, you know, uh, cognitive behavior and they, they can't think straight because they're too drunk, stop serving them. Right. They don't yeah. know to say no at that point. Right. Or if you're a friend of someone that's there, that's... Look, be a friend then. Be a real friend. Help them out. And listen, I, we've, we've, we've had plenty of drinks before. We've gone with people that have drank way too much, and we've taken care of them, you and I both. So you have to be that friend if you're in that group. I'm all for having fun. I'm all for the beer showers and everything like that. It's a great time. But again, take care of yourself. Take care of the person next to you. We have to be each other's keeper on this because, again, your life is at stake because any time an accident can happen like that or – you know, no one wants a trip to the hospital with alcohol poisoning. That's just wrong. Oh, I mean, what, you know, the waste management will end up being like the Philadelphia Eagles football stadium. Got to put a prison right there and you can get all the rowdy ones in there. But yeah. just a sad thing, sad thing for one of the best tournaments on tour. One of the tournaments I look forward to, and I'll be honest with you, you know, ESPN Plus had the coverage in 16. I watched that a lot. That's a lot of fun to watch. And then I watched a lot of golf shots. I did follow Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, uh, followed a little bit of Scheffler. You know, there was a really tight field up top. I mean, yeah, it was a good tournament. Good, you know, golf too. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad as far as you know. There's a big competition right now who the best golfers are on either tour, and and Scheffler, Burns, Thomas, Spieth, um, you know, a couple others. You know, obviously Taylor and Hoffman going into a playoff, but 
But the leaderboard was full of winners. And and let's just let's just go ahead and state this right now. The tournament can start with 156 players, and then they get it down. Okay, they have cuts and things like that. But let, let's not forget that every week somebody can have a good week. These fields are not limited except for the signature events. I'm tired of hearing look at that leaderboard when you still have some of the greatest players in the world playing, and they're getting up there, but other guys are going to have weeks. They're just not consistent. So if Scheffler shoots a minus 16 or a minus 15, it's fine if he doesn't win, but just know he's still up there in the top 10 of these tournaments. I am so sick of that argument when the waste management had a great field in it and the stars came out. They just didn't finish you know, where you wanted them to, but they also played in horrendous weather. Let's not act the, the, the greens didn't have puddles on them. Yeah, Live Golf's invitation, right? It's invite only, so I agree with you. It's a smaller field. Their leaderboard should be stacked because you, you only went after the greatest, you know, some of the top players on the PGA Tour. So your leaderboard should be stacked. I, I think that's an unfair comparison from Liv. I think Liv Golf has got some really serious players. I think they're very good. Uh, I I still can't get past the loud music and the playing on every single hole. Oh, it's frustrating to me. But I think Liv Golf is still good. I think the players are good. They've got to figure out that team aspect before I watch any more of it. But I am hopeful uh, that we have a podcast soon that shows we're going to talk about how they merge and come back together. And hopefully there's a way path, Hope a so. path forward for them. So speaking of great players, Justin, the greatest of all time is starting his season, is, is, is next stop on his season at Riviera, the Genesis. Mr. Eldrick Tiger Woods is teeing it up this week, paired, paired shockingly enough with his friend Justin Thomas on Thursday and Friday. He is a player host, so I think he probably got a chance to set that tee time with who he wanted to play. But, uh, Justin, new uh, new threads for Tiger. What do you think? Uh, throw up. It's so ugly. Like, I get it. Like, I, I, like a lot of people complain about the sun, day, red, you know, Sunday's not together. Uh, that's fine. You know, SDR on the left sleeve, fine. But the Tiger logo – Here's my thing. I, I get the 15 stripes. I understand that. But he, here's here's the biggest thing that everybody's going to say. It's always that thing that started, you know, maybe five, seven years ago. Who did it better? And they're going to put Greg Norman, the leader, the CEO of Live, right next to Tiger Woods' Tiger. And I can tell you, the shark looks like a shark. The Tiger, not really sure what it looks like right now. Well, I don't like the 15 stripes because – and I'm really shocked Tiger allowed that because what if he wins 16 or 17? They already they go redo it. They go redo it. He already had that discussion. Go redo it, which I think is stupid. I think it's stupid. It is. I mean, that's my. You're. I mean, you've always said eighteen is it? Eighteen's the only number you cared about. So why even? Why even consider a logo that had fifteen on it? Right. I think there was better options. I. I'm not sure on this, and I don't know if it's come out or not. Maybe you can help me on this one. But I thought he owned the T Dub logo, so I don't know why we just didn't go with that until I made adopt that. Um, but. The Sunday red, I do appreciate that it's very subtle. It's like right, it's like right here at the, the below the button, which is better. Um, so it's not too flashy. Uh, the shoes look incredible. I mean, I'm I'm glad he's finally wearing something that he he wants to wear and is comfortable. Uh, we'll see what it looks like. We'll see if they make some tweaks throughout it because it, it, there is a lot of feedback. There's a lot of um, uh, lashing out. Uh, people are are not liking the logo. And that's going to get back to Tiger. And I think there is going to be some adjustments. Maybe we'll see. Uh, they're trying something out, just like he's trying out a new caddy this week as well. So I think there's some trying and, and, and trials that Tiger's going to go through with this. 
Um, but anyway, I, I hope he wins more than 15 majors. I'm rooting for him to get to 18. I'm just thrilled that Tiger's back in competitive golf, playing at the Genesis. It's tough because uh, he's never won at Riviera, so it's hard to pick him this week, but I'll never bet against Tiger Woods. Yeah, so just real quick back to us. He owns the TW logo, but uh, again, we don't know all of it because like with this new venture, he trademarked with Tiger Wood, uh, with TaylorMade. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I will say that, look, man, I, I, I love me some Tiger Woods, right? And I just really have a problem with his, his design here. Like we talk about, we talk about all these things, you know, with friends and the drinking, did, did, did the friends not look at him and go, bro, this is not it. This is not it right here. Like the problem that I have with it is, is he's a tiger. Well, John Daly's the lion, and John Daly's lion looks a lot more like a lion than Tiger's looks. Tiger, tiger looks like a tiger, right? And this guy is drinking and smoking cigarettes, and he downs 15, 12 packs of Diet Coke going around, and his team came up with something that looks good. You over here don't do much of anything anymore because you can't handle it, and that's fine. Hey, get your help, do what you got to do, rehab, whatever it is. And that's what your team came up with? It's like it's like a squiggly line that a third grader drew, and then we just put some drops down to make stripes. Yeah, it's a bad tiger. It really is a bad, bad image of a tiger. I, I don't know why we just don't sit with T-Dub. I think T-Dub was classic. I thought he could have absolutely ran with that with Taylor Mate. Um, but again, trying something new, we'll see. Uh, I don't think it's going to do as I mean, it's going to do well because it's tiger for sure. But uh, I can tell you, I, I want to see it up close. I want to see it in store. I think it drops May 1st. So... I want to see what it looks like in a store, but so far, man, I'm not thrilled. I don't think it looks that good, uh, but we'll see. Tiger's out there. Tiger's playing competitive golf, so listen, there's there's worse things in the world. Hey, listen, so real quick on, he is playing 12, uh, competitive golf. 12-25, him and Justin Thomas paired up with Gary Woodland, had brain surgery last year. He's recovered, got the sponsor's exemption for this week. So really excited to see how Woodland does. Um, is a guy I've always liked, always, you know, thought his story was just amazing. But yeah, so Woodland's back in the fold this week too. That's something to look forward to. You touched on the live golf there for a minute. And I just, I, I, I did the fantasy the last two weeks. It's a free thing. You can go on that app, you build your team. Um, you pick four players or five players. You get a substitute if you need it. And <clears throat> Dustin Johnson came out this weekend and won. Second place, um, I mean, Taylor Gooch, I think. Taylor Gooch, yeah, live, okay, live player, of the, uh, live player of the year last year, right? And we talked about the top players, and I just like I'd love to have those guys back on the PGA tour. Oh, I would too, right? The smash team won, which Gooch, you know, finished second, he wins the team title too. Kepka, another great one, I'd love to have back, Cockrick. And McDowell, who McDowell didn't have anything, hadn't been doing well, and he didn't necessarily play well this week um, or great this week. Let me take that back. But but they had they they brought something different. They did their own party hole in Vegas. My question last week was, or would have been last week was, how are they gonna fill the stands? And you know what they did? They filled the stands. They had celebrities. They had a special celebrity, Tommy Fleetwood. Don't 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 sleep on Fleetwood going to live, but just a just no chance. I, no chance. I hate saying this. I hate saying this because I'm really Mike. You know I'm not a big fan of Liv. Don't like him. Don't really care what anybody says. 
I'm so glad to hear the news that Phil Mickelson won't be playing anymore. He's going to a board seat to help with other things. But they know what they're doing running a tournament. They competed with Phoenix. They probably won on the look because Phoenix had all the bad stuff going on. They're starting to get to a point where their momentum is, is increasing. And the PGA Tour, with Monahan at the helm, is going down. And quite frankly, Brandel Chambly and Jay Monahan can get on the next blue rocket that goes out of Jeff Bezos' house and send them right onto the moon with no food provisions and see how long they last. Because they love talking that S all the time. And yeah, I, I just got to get rid of them. It, it just the, the mouthpiece on Brandel Chambly has got to go. That's it's one thing I will tell you right now. I, I was not a great athlete at any point in my life. I played high school sports. Brando Chambly had a couple starts on the PGA Tour, and he acts like he's Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas. and I cannot stand that. Couldn't stand it with Johnny Miller. Can't stand it with this guy. And I, not that I want them to be like praise and live, but your points, you've made your points. Stop bringing up the, the fact that they're murderous people. That's fine. The PGA Tour play, has played in Saudi Arabia. They've taken money from them. They're trying to take money from them now. Stop being such a hypocrite. Because that tournament they ran this weekend completely dominated what Waste Management did. Completely yeah, they're dominated. Beating the same, they're beating the same drum. The thing that I can't stand about Chambly is he beats the same drum over and over. It's the same thing he said for three straight years. And it's like, okay, we get it. We know how you feel. Move on to the golf. Move on to something else. Move on to discussing the players, the tournament, whatever. It's always the same thing, and that's what's frustrating. I agree. Listen, I'm a big proponent of leadership, and I think Jay Monahan's leadership has run it in the ground. The tour wasn't happy prior to live coming out they were they were unhappy with monahan's service as a a uh the commissioner and now right. he's going to be the ceo now of this new pj tour enterprises and i think the problem is this you've got to get rid of the bad leadership you're you were in this spot partly because of monahan everyone wants to blame norman you got to have some of that blame on monahan too because you're here because he let it get this bad and now you're trying to to clean it up with him why new blood new commissioner, new CEO, whatever it is. And I think the tour changes around because you're right. Live momentum is coming up. Live momentum is getting better. And Live Golf instituted something that throughout the Ryder Cup, we all, in all of our group chats, we were all blowing up social media, each other, group chats, whatever it may be. They wouldn't show the golf. The, yep. the coverage started early hours in the morning. And you know only the the diehard golf fans. Myself, I was up. I was watching the first tee ball. I know many of the guys in the group chat weren't. I think it was just Maddie B and I that were up watching the first tee ball. And they wouldn't show the golf. The only people that are up want are diehard golf fans. The casual yeah. fans not up. The commercial doesn't doesn't appease any of us. So you're flooding us with commercials. Live Golf Institute something that's showing every golf shot, or you have a chance to watch every golf shot. Yeah, they instituted that. And that's something the tour needs to figure out because people watch golf to watch the golf shots, not to hear about the history of the course and this and that and everything else. So again, yeah. change Monahan. But to your point on Shambly, he's got to change his tune. We get how you feel. No one's going to forget it, but move on. Let's go. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing, you know, one thing, Mike, I will say that I, I thoroughly enjoy with Liv that I think is it's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. The shotgun start, okay? The shotgun start at Live Golf when you're following X to play. X to, you know, you got 10 to play, 9 to play, and it counts down like that. Like, everybody's in the same. You know where everybody is. There's leaderboards everywhere. What I love about it is, is that the leader isn't playing three hours behind you. You go out there and smoke a 62, a 9 or 10 under, 
okay? You're in the lead by two strokes. The leader that the, the start of the day leader is starting three hours behind you, and he he knows what he has to do, right? Yep. It is phenomenal. The other thing that that does it alleviates all this when we have to stop because of weather or darkness. Everybody's playing at the same time, and I know yeah, I know you can't cool. do it with X amount of players. You have flexibility. You have flexibility right, right there, right? Because the right. players coming in late, you start early, or vice versa. If you want to need to push it, you start late because of the weather. I like that point too. I also like that the leaders don't have a big advantage. Now, I do think that there should be some type of advantage to be to being the leader in the clubhouse, to showing up on Sunday, to be to be able to see what's in front of you. You've earned that. So I, I will disagree on the shotgun start there. I, I think it's incredible because you have the chance to avoid the weather and you're all playing generally under the same weather conditions, which I think is great because there's been plenty of times where you have a 7 a.m. tea time where it's cool, calm, and everything's fine. And you get to 2 o'clock and it's breezy as all get out. And the people that had the afternoon shoot way worse scores. And I don't think that that's fair. So I do like the shotgun start for everyone playing the same weather, same course at the same time. I think that's phenomenal. The downside is that I do think it, it puts the leaders at a disadvantage because if you've played well all week, you should have some type of, of advantage or honors in the sense where you get to see what happens in front of you. Well, I, I, so to that point, though, you think about the the Open Championship. You go over across the pond, and you know a storm comes in at let's say one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you have an afternoon tea time on Thursday, and that means Friday you got a morning tea time. So you're playing the storm in the morning. You're playing the storm, or the storm at night. You're playing the storm at night. The Thursday Friday thing for me is fair. The, the start times. I, I mean, I get that. You play once in the afternoon, you play once in the morning. It, it just, it, the, the cookie's going to crumble one way here and there. It just, it happens, right? But Saturday and Sunday, run up, you know, because you have such big fields, right? You have 65, which is 17 more than golf and ties. So, or than live. What I would do is I would run, get the good, the, the guys in, you know, let's say 40th and on, or 36 and past, run them through in the morning, see you bye. Y'all get Charles rounds out the way. And then, hey, at this time, you know, whether it's just Saturday we do the shotgun start or both days we do the shotgun start. I understand what you're saying, the leaders, but at least everybody's playing fair because like you just said, if you've got a morning tea time at 9 o'clock and you're in 36th place and it is – just think about Augusta. And it's calm. It's wet. And you can go and just stick the ball where you want to on the green. That's a lot better than coming in and playing in the afternoon. The greens have dried up a little bit. You get some wind in the air. Things start to move around a little bit. There, there are definitely things that Live Golf does really, really well. Agreed, agreed. The issue with the golf and showing the golf, they can do it because they've got all the money, right? They have a free app, the Live Golf app, Live Golf Plus. You can watch every shot. You watch the complete coverage. That's insane. But they have, they have unlimited funds, and the PGA Tour has got to figure that out some way or another. Um, I don't care how much money you get in. They're going to have more. Just, just, just merge. Monahan, stop being stupid. Take their money. It is what it is. I mean – you can't stand your ground now that you, you came out against it. So, but definitely, I'm telling you, I haven't been. I don't like go, I don't like live golf, but I haven't been excited. I'm excited for this weekend, Genesis, but I'm really excited for the tour, both tours. I mean, yeah. you know, the fact that Johnson Kepka and Deshambeau were at the top of the leaderboard this weekend for Friday. Wow, I mean, three powerhouses right there. And, 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 just, and you got and you got Ron Larkin there too. So listen, I yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see. The majors, when all these guys do come back and chance to play again, we got Augusta coming up in uh, in a couple of months, and so I'm looking forward to the Masters. 
but again, I, I, I am excited to see what's happening. Live Golf's gaining some momentum. Um, I, I will tune in. I will try to start tuning in more because I haven't been as much as you have. Uh, I've just been turned off by the music. I may just have to watch it on mute at this point just to watch it. But um, I'm excited you can watch every shot. So, uh, But again, Genesis this week, Tiger's playing. Hopefully our recap show next week is going to talk about Tiger winning every year for the first time. I would love to see that, but we'll see. Uh, Justin, final thoughts for everything we've got. Super Bowl wrap-up. Give us a quick closeout. What do, you, what do you think? Well, Super Bowl game couldn't have been better. The playoffs in college football and in the NFL were amazing. The NFL kept it going in the championship games and then the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I really felt for Mason this week. It was tough, but, hey, you know what? The 49ers look good. Got a young team. Got a quarterback that isn't owed much money. That's really big. You'll hear about that a lot moving forward as we talk about draft day, what teams are going to do. Move into golf this weekend. Obviously, the Genesis Open, bringing Tiger back. We grew up loving this guy. I still love him. Um, he's really having a second resurgence as a fan favorite um, for some of the younger kids, even though he's not you know, tearing it up like he was when we were young. Excited for that. Waste management's got to do better again. Mike, you hit on it all the time. Do better. And that's one thing that that as, as, as much as you love the, the, the tournament, you love the way it's played, they, they just got to be smart out there. Be smart about the people you're serving and taking care of because at some point somebody's going to get hurt and it's going to be because of that, and, and you don't want that on your mind. Live golf, as much as I hate saying it, live golf's momentum's going high. Love it. Lo love the tournament this weekend. I'm a big Dustin Johnson fan. I love hockey. He's married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter, so that's a bonus. Big win for him. Big win for these guys. Uh, looking forward to next week recapping some other good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, do better out there. That voice man is open. So I want to say a quick thank you to all of our guests uh, that came on for the preview show. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Appreciate you making an incredible show. We know we went long last week. We we're going long this week as well because we had a lot to cover with the big with the Super Bowl. We're putting the NFL to bed for a couple for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. We'll see. Baseball's picking up. We got golf getting into really starting to get into the golf season now. Uh, which is going to be exciting. We've got horse racing coming up this year. The three-year-old season has definitely kicked off up and running. So we'll have previews when it comes to horse racing. We've got hockey playoffs in a couple months, NBA, March Madness. We're going to be hitting all those sports. Again, we're doing whip-around coverage for those sports when it comes to so you can be prepared in your group chats to win those arguments, to have turkey stats, to have those do-betters. And again, keep uh, following us. We appreciate all the listeners. We appreciate everybody listening on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you so much for your, your support. I'm Mike. That's Turkey. We are the Up and Running Pod. Follow us on X at, at Up and Running Pod. And this is me saying, please be kind, be grateful, and always be humble. Justin. 206 days till the NFL season kicks off. Less than 60 days till MLB baseball kicks off. Let's go, baby. <laughs>